welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Now today, I am going to, I'm actually going to pick up on something that I was doing, talking about in Church Reset this week. And believe me, it's been really difficult to get those videos made now that we've got a lot more happening. Uh, but the one I did this week was from Acts 22. And there's just this scripture in there, and it's always been one that I've thought is very prophetic. But as I read it this week, it was like, wow, this is for now. This is exactly what God is saying to us, Kingdom Faith Yorkshire, and actually the church right now in the middle of this worldwide pandemic. This is a word from God for now. Okay, so what's going on in Acts 22? Well, it's... Paul is in the middle of another great disturbance. I talked on the great disturbance last week uh, about uh, towns being, cities being uh, disturbed really by the presence of God in a good way. Uh, Unfortunately, often when Paul preached the gospel, you got riots breaking out. Yeah. Okay. Well, Paul's been in the middle of another one of them. uh, And he's just being arrested in Jerusalem, this is by the Roman commander of that area. This is serious stuff. Uh, But as he does that, Paul speaks to him in Greek. Uh, And he's quite shocked because he thought he was like some Egyptian troublemaker that was rumored to be around. And why is he speaking him in such good Greek? And Paul, uh, Paul gets the opportunity to say to the commander, I want to speak to the crowd. And then Amazingly, and this really is amazing because these are these rioters, really, who have beaten Paul and they've seen Paul put into, it says, two chains. One chain isn't enough to hold down Apostle Paul. Two chains uh, he's been bound with. It says that he stands there basically and tells them to be quiet because he's going to talk to them now. And they do it. This, this is a man of authority, an anointing on him. And the other... As well as being a man of anointing, he's a man of sneakiness because he then speaks to the crowd in Aramaic, which is like, how can I put it? It's like a a, a local version of Hebrew, if you like. So one minute he's speaking Greek, one minute he's speaking Aramaic, but he knows exactly what to do. In modern vernacular, he basically knows how to talk their language, literally in this case. But you can see how important it is as the church that we know how to connect with people around us, literally talking their language. But that also means being able to express things, being able to convey the beautiful truths of Scripture, but in a language that people can understand. Okay, I love, personally, the King James Version of the Bible, for example. But for the average person, that's not easy to understand. The NIV is a lot easier if you want something much closer to Modern English, maybe the Passion Translation. We are so blessed with different translations. But this is not about translations. This is about each one of us and how we communicate with others and what God wants us to do right now. Okay? So sit back. Shona, sorry, your coffee's gone cold, but maybe Brian's made you another one already. And uh, some of you are just sitting there, I know. Coffee, cake, biscuits, children playing on the floor. So make yourself comfortable, because when you're back here, you're back on one of those blue chairs, okay? (laughs) And they're not that wide, are they? Because we bought narrower ones to get more people in. Did you know that? Anyway, Paul gets this opportunity to speak, 
And he tells them the story of how he met with Jesus. If there's one story that every single person who is a Christian has got, it's one of how I met with Jesus. And you know what? It's different for everybody. I can look around the room and just see the worship team mostly scattered. Some have sneakily sat on sofas, not hard chairs. I mean, they should be kind of doing a penance for the privilege of being here. What do you think? You know, should they be required, like Jossie and Mike Close, to be sitting on a hard chair? I don't know. By the way, Mike... He's disappeared over there. He's gone in the kitchen, uh, sneaked off over there. He's now in the hub, making himself a cup of coffee. This is casual. Nobody's going to want to lose this. <laughs> During the comments, Mike, I'm shouting. I don't know whether it affects you. During the comments, Mike, Pete Norman wrote in the, in the comment that his face was melted off by your solo. So there you go, in the first song. He's putting the thumbs up. <laughs> It's, I, I actually enjoy this uh, extra connection that we've got. Uh, it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> but that's exactly what Paul's about here. Connection. He knows how to communicate. So he tells a story. He doesn't even launch uh, into Scripture. We've seen in earlier in Acts, Acts chapter 17, when he's talking to mainly Greeks in Athens, people, there's not Jews present, he, he even talks about their gods uh, in a way to help communicate that gospel. He's talking their language. He's communicating. He's using what's around them, what's happening in their day to explain what's going on. So what Paul actually does is tell his story. And of course, his most powerful story, which is, we still listen to, and we're going to a bit of it, 2,000 years later, is his encounter with Jesus. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, Paul himself was, uh, before he met with Jesus, he was uh, a strong Jewish leader. He was a Pharisee. He may have been part of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish leadership council. We don't know for sure, but he was certainly very, very important. And the reason he was on this road to Damascus, you may have heard that expression, was it a road to Damascus experience? Yeah, it's a common expression. This is where it comes from. So he's on the road to Damascus, but the reason he's going there is to arrest Christians, to persecute them. He was a persecutor of the church. And on that road, he encounters Jesus literally. He meets with him. And his life is completely and utterly turned upside down. Uh, and he's, uh, well, I don't want to dwell on that bit because we don't want to take forever. But the interesting thing is that He's even blinded by the experience, and he has to be led uh, by the hand to Damascus. And so whereas he was about to walk into Damascus or ride in, uh, you know, chest out, the big cheese coming to sort out those Christians, he's led in with his head bowed, unable to see. He's been completely humiliated in the culture of his time probably the culture of our time, to go from so high to so low. And yet this is the story he tells, how he was embarrassed, how he was humiliated. There's always a little level of embarrassment and humiliation becoming a Christian because you have to say no to the world, yes to Jesus. That, that's how it works. And that can involve many decisions personally. Paul would have been, Paul gets to sit wondering what's going to happen next, says he was praying for about three days. And the implications of 
what had happened to him were huge. I mean, in the next chapter, for example, we find out that when he's um, still in Jerusalem, so in the next chapter, I mean, Acts 23, it says that Paul's sister's son came to him with a message which was about how there was a plot to murder him. And that's, that's about, it's, isn't that frustrating? It's, this is Paul's family. We know so little, really, about Paul. Paul's sister lives in Jerusalem. So when he's sitting there in Damascus, this many years earlier before we're in this story here, he's thinking about what are the implications for my family? What about my sister? She's just had that baby, possibly. The baby nephew that was a young man by this time that comes to see him. He's got all these things buzzing around on his head. And do you know what? Being a Christian should be like that. It is a big decision. It is life-changing. It's no good sugarcoating everything. It's also the best thing that can possibly happen to you because you discover purpose. You discover destiny. You discover what you were created for. Some people try to find what they were here for by different means. Maybe astrology. Oh, I'm an I'm a, I'm a Arian. I'm a Sagittarian. I'm a flipping Arian. Whatever it is. And you, and you look it up to find out what's, what's your purpose, what's happening to you that day. Well, I've got news. There's a whole book. This is rather my, my small edition, but it's all there. Um, there's a whole book about you. Because you are loved by God. And when you follow him, you're adopted into his family. And you, you discover, wow, I've been chosen for purpose. This is amazing. You discover you have authority to pray and see things change. Anyway, Paul's there wondering what's going to happen next. Unknown to him, a little bit further away in Damascus, is this guy, Ananias. And Ananias is praying, and God speaks to him and says, I want you to go and see Paul. or Saul of Tarsus, as he was also known. Of course, Ananias was immediately delighted to go and visit someone who's uh, reckoned to be persecuting the church, throwing them into prison, and possibly responsible for the death of several Christians. It was like, yeah, whoop de doo No, of course it wasn't. He's questioning if I actually heard from God here. This is a bit weird. But remarkably, he does go and say Paul. Uh, go, go and see Paul. And once he gets there, under the spirit, he doesn't sound very timid to me. And he speaks directly to Paul. Let me just read uh, a part of what he says. So this is Ananias straight to Paul. But this morning, to be honest, this is our Father in heaven straight to each one of us. This little passage. That's what scripture does. It leaps out. And it becomes prophetic in different seasons. Why, why do I say prophetic? Because it speaks into the exact situation. Now, what we're looking at is Paul telling his personal story of something that specifically happened to him. So it happened to him. God spoke to him. He's now telling that story to speak to another group of people. And I'm telling that story, as it's been told all around the world, every, you know, numerous places, numerous times, to speak to us. But sometimes it's just this prophetic edge, prophetic anointing to it. That's what there is this morning. So pin back your lug holes. The God of our... <laughs> Jossie is literally doing it right now. Don't use real pins, Jossie. It'd be painful, honestly. Silly boy. Anyway, but the God of our ancestors 
has chosen you to know. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know. His will and see the righteous one and to hear words from his, from his mouth. Now, when Ananias first told this, Paul had literally met with Jesus or a vision of Jesus on the road. But nothing has changed. You too are called. You may not have a literal vision of Jesus on the road or in your bedroom or even in your kitchen. And if you do, it will be because you are called to give up the same sacrifice as Paul did. Sometimes people say, oh, I want to see Jesus for real. Are you ready to be murdered? Martyred for Jesus? Because to walk into those situations, that's often when you've had this kind of experience. That's why the disciples experience these things. It's not that you can't, you can. But it means there's, a, uh, there's an answer. To those who are given much is expected much. If you've had a vision like that, then your life should be vastly, vastly different to the world around us. Because those who are given much, much is asked of them. So don't idly say things that haven't actually happened. You know, you can be praying and you can imagine uh, things. Don't then turn that into God said, God did, I saw. Because it's not always true. It doesn't take away from our ordinary walk with God and one iota. But there's no point exaggerating the experiences that you've had of God. Because if you've had incredible experiences of God, then incredible things are expected of you. Your life will be completely different. And if it isn't, it doesn't match. Sometimes we have to repent of exaggerating. God said to me. It's great language. We use it. God does speak to us. We say it. But make sure when you're saying it, you're not just saying, I think this is what God has told me. Do you know what I mean? The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear words from his mouth. What a bold statement from Ananias of someone whose reputation is that, that he will kill him for saying these things. He then says, you, pointing at Paul, but God caused to us this morning, you will be his witness to all people of what you've seen and heard. Tell your story. Ananias is saying. But it's this final little bit that I think it was incredibly bold, but then it's amazing how bold the Holy Spirit can make you. When he calls you to do something and you walk in obedience, things you thought you could never do, a boldness can come on you, just like Ananias. And he looks at Paul. I think he's looking him straight in the eyes as he says this. Let's look straight down the camera lens. This is what he says. And now, what are you waiting for? He says to the Apostle Paul, this puffed up Pharisee who's been humiliated. What are you waiting for? Wow, what a thing. What this man in front of him has been through terrible circumstances. He's been stripped of position and power and left in the dust, literally lost his sight, although he gets it back in these moments as Ananias prays for him. And Ananias says, well, stop moping around and praying. What are you delaying for? Get on. Go and do it. I mean, Paul was praying. Ananias is having none of that. Come on. Get on with it. 
You see, the church can spend so much time being prepared. You haven't been recently blinded and stripped of all position. You might be saying, oh, yeah, but I've been through, you know, and genuinely, people have been through some really tough times. So what's the kind, comforting word from Ananias to you? Get up. What are you delaying for? Here's the rest of the expression. This is in uh, another translation, NASB, I think. Now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, and call on his name. Because that's what the gospel is. Let's not sit around moping, being worried about this sin or this sickness or this situation. They can be genuine, and I'm not talking about situations where we have to walk together. I'm just talking about life. The word is, why are you delaying? When there's a worldwide pandemic, Paul, and you noticed, exactly, why are you delaying? There's still loads to do. There's still loads of people that need to know Jesus. There's still loads of people that have no idea that when Jesus died for them on the cross, that was to enable them to be reconciled to the Father, to be set free from death, to live a life with Jesus and be with him for eternity. And to have a destiny and a purpose right now here on this planet. So he says, so Paul says, sorry, Ananias says to Paul, God says to us through Ananias, now, why do you delay? Don't keep putting it off. The Greek word means, the delay literally means, the word that, that people are trying to translate in a different translation means, you were just about to do something. You're at the point of it. What is the church about to do? What is the church on the point of? To use the gifts of the Spirit, to use what God has been saying from the church reset, to use the advantage of that we see that there's a lot more than just a Sunday morning where we all gather, to be Christians in our homes, to be Christians in our streets, and if you're back at work in our workplaces, even online, to be ready for every opportunity that God gives us, not to, mm, that probably isn't the right situation, I'll just back away into the darkness. Get up and be baptized. This man that's persecuted the church has got to go through baptism. There's a bit of baptism that is deliberately difficult to do, you know, actual baptism in water. For the first year since we've been here in Scarborough at the summit, we've not had baptisms on the beach this year. I've really missed that. But there's a lot more going on here than baptism in water. But when those people get baptized in the sea, sometimes they say, oh, it's a bit embarrassing. So is being hung naked on a cross. But the word means immerse. That's what baptizo, the Greek word, means. It means to be immersed. And this is about saying, yes, and, and, and immersing ourselves completely in what God has for now. You say, well, I haven't done that much. I haven't really been going to go out. I know, but you can ask the Holy Spirit, what's, what's now for you? Don't think when this happens, when we're free from that, when we come out of that, when, when we can meet back together in as a church. There will be, if we're not careful, when we are meeting again in this place, if we're not careful, it will become a distraction from our call to be missional in the neighborhood and the community. And we mustn't allow that to happen. We mustn't allow God to be removed again from our households and households just become a retreat from the world and from the church. 
Sometimes households become like that. We don't talk about Jesus in our homes. Jesus isn't at the foremost of our homes. Well, he is again now. It will remind us of the wonderful connections we can have in house church. The house churches must grow and develop and, and expand as we move on from this time. And at the moment, we can meet in groups of six. Make the most of that. Do it safely? Of course. It's been great to see people meeting here at the hub. You know, it's been fantastic that this, we, we are a cafe. And you can go to a cafe and at the moment, I mean, the door might close this week. This might be the last week. You could do it for a while in Scarborough. Who knows? But you can meet here safely in a COVID-19 secure building and have a cup of coffee, have something to eat. And you can be community in this building, actually. We can't do it today, but we can do it when we're open as a cafe. Do it safely, do it responsibly. Don't, make more, don't be more than six, but you know, it's here. It's been great. I've seen people sitting chatting. I've seen people sitting praying. I've seen people talking about what's in the news. I've seen people talking about what's in the Bible. It's here. There's no hub online today, basically because we're here and I can't run it, but um, there is hub. Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. Now you might say, I, I can't get there. Well, 11 till 2 is over those four days is all we can do right now. Maybe you can make the Saturday one. Meet up with some people who you haven't seen for a while, maybe. Get up, says Ananias. Get up. The word in Greek is a word you use, not surprisingly, to someone who's lying down. Get up. Stand up. Interestingly, it can also be spoken over someone who's dead, as in be raised from the dead. Get up, church. And metaphorically, it's used in Greek of a meaning of to cause to appear. It's time for the church to appear in communities all over the place including the online ones. Paul was to write to the Ephesians as well. Awake, sleeper, and get up from the dead. It's the same word. And Christ will shine upon you. See, if, if you can be having the most, and, and it, we do need to pray. We do need to be with God. We do need to read scripture. Don't take away from I'm saying that's not important. Absolutely. But if that's all we do, you could be a hundred watt, bulb shining in your bedroom and nobody will see that light. If we are the light, then we need to go where it's dark, not hide away, even in the summit. And Paul writes, be wise, making the most of your time. Make the most of your time right now. Some people will be coming off furlough, the Furlough scheme ends in October. Some people have already come off it. There will be the world encroaching in again on your time and you will be getting busier and busier and busier. Make the most of your time. Put everything in place. I've just noticed that this clock in front of me stopped. I could have, been, I could have gone on speaking till one o'clock 
<laughs> Fortunately for you, I do have an iPad, so I have noticed. Hallelujah. Oh, look, it's Paul talking on YouTube. Anyway, make the most of your time. Another way of writing what Paul writes, be very careful how you live. Immerse yourself, completely saturate yourself. Don't hold back on the sidelines, watching and waiting and watching and waiting. But go for it. Get up. I want to finish with just this passage that uh, is Paul writing to one of his co-workers called Titus. So Titus and Paul, this would have happened uh, way after the story that we've just been looking at, way after the account. So this happens after Acts 28. Um, we know this from Paul's letters. And so uh, whether it's before or after he went to Spain, we don't know. But at some point, he's on Crete with Titus, probably around 63, 65 AD. And with Titus on Crete, they establish a Christian community there. Christianity takes off there. And he leaves Titus to get on with the situation with, with the Cretan uh, people. And at this time, Crete was known as um, a pretty rough place. It was, it was, it was a byword. It, it could be used, you're a right Cretan. You know, you're a right Philistine. You know, it was something that was unpleasant to say to somebody. And there he is, Titus on Crete, working with those people. Because they were liars. They were, they were greedy people. They were known for laziness. They get called evil beasts. I mean, everything's being thrown at them. No doubt there were great people in that community, but that was their general reputation. And Titus yee, has got the job of leading this first church amongst this community. Whoa, that's a good job. <laughs> Paul starts it with him. That's good. I got Paul with me. This is going to go well. And a little bit into it, Paul says, oh, by the way, I'm off now. You're in charge. <laughs> I wonder what that was like for Titus. But, so this letter is Paul writing to encourage Titus in his leadership of that church. Uh, and so when you read this letter, sometimes it's useful to put it into that context of what Paul was writing to, this, this really difficult community that's far, far away from a Christian lifestyle. And so Paul writes... Uh, this is from chapter 3 in Titus. Remind believers to willingly place themselves under the authority of the government. This actually happens a few times in scriptures. And you've got to remember, the government of that time was a lot worse than any government in the, that, that we're all thinking of right now. A lot, lot worse. You may have some political views of political leaders right now that are very derogative. But they are nowhere near the governmental leaders that were around in this time. And yet Paul still says, submit to your local authorities. That's why we have to follow the guidance we've called, uh, where, where the government says you need to wear masks in these situations or you need to not be singing in church. We willingly do it. That's not the government trying to persecute the church. That's the government trying to keep its peace, peaceful, its people safe. That's not persecution. Persecution is when people are trying to shut the church up because they don't want the church's message to be heard. 
sure, we should demonstrate, we should protest. That's part of our calling. The church is also called to stand for social justice. It's there in there. So we're noisy people on those issues. But here it is. Remind the believers to willingly place themselves under the authority of the government. That's not my main point, though. But believers should obey them and be ready to help them with every good thing they do. There it is. Join with the good of things that happen around you. Tell them not to speak badly of anyone. Nor to be argumentative. Instead, be patient. Patient, give an example of humility to everyone. How does this link back with Paul and Ananias? Why am I reading this? Because this passage is Paul writing of how he lived out his message. And it's, he's writing to Titus to how to teach the believers in that Cretan community how to live out what it is to be a Christian. You want to make a difference? You want to get up? You want people to see that you have been chosen by God because you have been chosen to know his will and see the righteous one, to see Jesus and to hear words from his mouth. That's you. You have been chosen to hear from God, to see God. And we've got a whole book, 66 books, one Bible, of word from God to us, to see and to hear from him. Paul goes on. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. You see, the Christian learns to live free from those things. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He's probably thinking back to that hatred he had of Christians as he writes this to Titus. He knows that hatred was his motivation to persecute church. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, notice Paul's emphasis. He's, he's, he's talking to Titus, who is in the middle of a group of people who are not in any extreme in that society, living in a godly way. But his message is still that God is a God of kindness. You think that he'd be coming in saying, tell them they're going to hell, unless they sort their lives out. But he says the message is the kindness of God. For God so judged the world, he sent his one and only, no, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. He hates sin. He absolutely adores the people. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Now, Paul talks a lot about the call to good works, social justice. But he's reminding the Cretans, because you can flip from lives that are a long way from God to lives that are for God, where You've been saved by grace, but then you try and work out your salvation by works. And Paul's saying, don't go the other extreme. Remember, it is kindness and mercy is the reason that you are spared, if you like, that you are saved. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Nothing we deserve. That washing, that immersion whom he poured out on us generously, and still does, 
through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified, having been put right, having been declared clean by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. If you've been saved by saying yes to Jesus, surrendering your life, you have new life in Jesus for now, for the life you're going to live between now and the day you die, and for the life you're going to live after you've died, eternity. There is grace and mercy for all of that. And you have, it's like heaven, eternity, is your inheritance. It, in Christ, it belongs to you, which is why then Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, notice, here on earth as it is in heaven. It's pulling down heaven here on earth. That's, that's the call of the church. If we get up, if we stand, if we immerse ourselves in what God is doing, it will be in some way to be part of the answer to that prayer to bring heaven here on earth. What am I doing? What is my role? Not to be distant, not to be known for judgment, not to be known for all the horrible things that occasionally the church has been known for in history, sadly, but to be known as a demonstration of love. Are you saying, Paul, that everything is acceptable? No, not at all. If everything was acceptable, Jesus wouldn't need to have died, would he? But Jesus accepts everyone because of the sacrifice that he made. It deals with all of that. So people can move on from all of that. But notice, it is move on from all of that. It's not, I've been saved through what Jesus did. I'm still going to do all those things. Well, you haven't been saved because you don't realize what it means. If you're saved, your life will change. If you know Jesus, your life will change. And it won't all just be, oh, this is lovely. Oh, goody, 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 I can do this now. It, there will be decisions of, no, I will choose what is right. Paul was wondering about the cost in Damascus. How does this affect my family? How does this affect me? I had that position of power, authority. He's probably on a decent income. All gone. But he still chose because he knew he was chosen. Hallelujah. This is a trustworthy saving, and I want you to stress these things. Remember, he's writing to Titus, so he's saying, stress this, Titus, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Make sure people know they're saved by mercy and grace so that they can devote themselves to what is doing, to doing what is good. These, are, these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments and quarrels because these are unprofitable and useless. If there ever was a word to social media, there's the one but it's also in our daily lives. Let's focus on the good things of God, the good works of God. Here's that scripture again, okay? You ready? Just put yourself in a position now right before God. Let's move from message to ministry. 
and let God minister to you as I read this word. And as you hear God speaking to you and you ask him, what, what for me, Lord? So that we're not waiting around. We're not even just praying, but we're getting up and doing what God has given us to do. Make the most of every opportunity. All right. Here we go. From Ananias, nearly 2,000 years ago, speaking the words of God to each one of us. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, and call on his name. Amen. Praise God. One final practical thing. What about if you've heard me say this scripture a few times and you've become a Christian in recent times and you haven't been baptized? One, God understands. He understands perfectly. Okay? Yes, the command is to get baptized when you're a new Christian. Absolutely. There's no getting away from it. It's there, it's there, it's there. To be immersed. That, that physical sign of what God has done for you to live. So firstly, God understands. But I'd also, when Ananias gives this word to Paul, he actually says to him, immerse yourself. That's the way the word is used. And talk to leaders, obviously. Talk to Christians. Getting baptized doesn't make you a Christian. Getting baptized doesn't save you. It's, it's an outward expression of what changes on the inside. But you can't change the inside by the outward expression. Inside first. Okay? But if you want to be baptized, I've got to be baptized. This is part of my walk with God. Talk via Zoom, via phone to Christian friends, Christian leaders, and check that they, you know, you know what you're doing. You want to know that you know what you're doing. But if you've got to be baptized, baptize yourself in the bath. We can make too much out of having the anointed person to do the baptisms. It's God that does the baptism. It's God that brings about the inner change. So if you want to be baptized, don't just do it in independence because it's about being baptized into being part of a body. So you need to do it because you, even if you've become part of an online body and you need to do it talking to leaders so that you understand what baptism is. That's really important because you won't do it again. You only get baptized once. But if that's really important to you, you can then, once you've found out what you, what you need to do, which is basically just soak yourself in the bath and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you can do it yourself. Immerse yourself, Ananias says to Paul. So that's just a practical follow-up to anybody that's feeling like, oh, but I need to be baptized. Well, you can be, or you can just wait because God understands. It's fine. We like to make rules. God brought freedom. And that really is everything except for a couple of notices. Deeper. Do you remember that? Do you remember that other world when we all used to gather at the summit for a weekend? Um, we're still doing deeper this year. It's still happening on the weekend. The dates have been in calendars forever. It's probably even on a poster over there. 
Um, so it's the 9th to the 11th of October, but it will be online, okay? Uh, and specially uh, done for us, Pastor Colin is going to bring one of the messages, Pastor Colin Urquhart. So that's something to look forward to. Um, it will start Friday night. Uh, Pastor Colin will probably be Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and Sunday morning, okay? It will be slightly different. We'll do things in slightly different ways. It won't be exactly the same as we always do everything, but it won't be like out of the world. We're not going to all do it in T-shirt and shorts and sing hits from Oasis or something. But, you know, we're... <laughs> you don't like Oasis, Dad. I was trying to think of a 90s band <laughs> and then realized that's not my era and I was struggling. But... Yeah, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant weekend. God will speak to us. So really, I'm just telling you, 9th to the 11th. Sunday morning, obviously, would already be on your calendar. Saturday morning, um, Saturday evening, and then Friday evening. And also, there'll be something in the WhatsApp broadcast at some time uh, extra to do with that Friday evening, okay? Um, if you're not on that, you can ask to be on it, or you could, you'll have to ask somebody else, what exactly was that? And that will become some point during this week. But uh, if you're part of our extended family, spread the word. They're, uh, they're doing that. And uh, on that Saturday night, uh, we'll have a, a, an extended time for prayer and ministry, and particularly to see people healed. So if you've got people that are needing healing, even despite our prayers this morning, if you're needing people who need to come into a healing environment, uh, that'll be a good night. Perhaps you can be with them if that works in your rules of six and things. Or um, you can be with them as they join online. Okay? So that's really just about everything. I'm looking forward to deeper. I hope you are too. Have a fantastic week. Um, let's just get up. Let's just get on. Let's just go for it. Let's have a final look, see if we've got anything here. Hallelujah. Kirsty says, we can disagree, but still pray for our leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Keir, oh, forgot his name, Keir Starmer or Boris Johnson. You can completely and utterly disagree with either of them. You still pray for them. Jimmy Carter, is a, uh, you know, he, he, a well-known Christian president, says, who's a Democrat, says how he prays for Donald Trump. We should still be praying for our leaders, whether we disagree or not. Absolutely, Kirsty. Lots of amens, lots of yes, yes, yes. Gemma's put the date there for you of deeper in the, in the chat. Hallelujah. Brian says, isn't baptism meant to be a public demonstration of our belief? Yeah, we often use it, but there's not often a worldwide pandemic. So it can be a public demonstration. Maybe you can film it as you do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I mean, we use baptism as that public uh, demonstration. But it's a bit like the thief on the cross Jesus turned to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. He wasn't baptized at all. Okay? We like rules. God brings freedom. Good words today, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. God bless you. Praise God. Uh, Gemma says, Karina and Donna, you are a great example of not waiting and making the most of the current situations. Praise God for your perseverance or persistence and faithfulness. Absolutely. If you don't know what they've been doing, maybe you should ask them. 
But they, I tell you, I tell you, what they come in, they come in here, they get one of the flags, and they go on the street somewhere, they find a place where they can uh, be safe, and they just sing scripture and talk to people if people talk to them. All done safely, but they're just looking for ways to get up and standing out. And this week, this past week, it's been a rather a wet one. Hallelujah. Yes, good example. Thank you, Gemma. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. I was just seeing if there was any other comments. Uh, you can read them for yourselves. All right, God bless you, and see you soon. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.